bless you tonight. You may be seated. We're going to try. And I've already used up uh, almost half of my allotted time. And I don't apologize. But we're going we're gonna to do our best to get through this tonight. And uh, if I have to just go through it and just give you what I can, uh, we'll, we'll do that. But, but uh, I, I, I want to try tonight to take the next few minutes and get as far as we can get Hallelujah, and uh, go as far as we can in these notes tonight. Now, uh, by way of review, just very quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but it has been a few weeks since we taught uh, on the church at Sardis, and um, so let me just touch on a couple things I mentioned to you and just want to remind you that though it was once a very great and powerful city, it fell repeatedly into enemy hands, each time reducing its strength and its glory. And every time that it fell, it was because of the same flaw. It was because they had become overconfident and they had failed to watch the one side that was open to enemy attack. Three sides of their city uh, were, were at the edge of a plateau that had uh, unscalable walls. They could not get up those three sides. But there was one side that if you knew how to get there, you could get there. And the people of Sardis felt so confident that they were safe that they did not put a watch on that fourth side. And that was repeatedly how the enemy got to them. You would think that they would learn the lesson. Of course, hundreds of years would pass in between each overthrow. But still, you would think they would learn the lessons of history. Uh, but I can't say much because our country is certainly not learning very many history lessons right now either. It's just not. Amen. But uh, that's another lesson for another time. Uh, but, but it is important that we note that what caused them to fall was their lack of setting a watch. And that's important because of how many times the Lord addresses that to the church in Sardis. Now remember, it was the city that was overthrown. It was the city that was taken captive. And this was before there was a church. In fact, before there was even Christianity that these things had happened. And yet, uh, this was a flaw within the people of that city. And those people uh, brought it into the church when they came into the kingdom. And if we're not careful, we will bring our flaws with us. We do bring them with us. But if we're not careful, we won't let the Lord fix those flaws. I want to tell you one of the worst things that has been foisted upon people over the last few generations is this idea that that's how you are and you can't do anything about it. 
people people applaud uh, 12-step programs and say what, what great efforts they're putting forth. But the fact is they have very little long-term success. And I believe the reason they don't have long-term success is because they're building defeat into the people that attend. From the moment they come, they tell them, you are an alcoholic, you'll always be an alcoholic. You might as well face that fact. You can recover, but even then you need to tell people, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Notice recovering, not recovered. They're never recovered just recovering well I want to tell you that's a lie from the devil you don't have to stay an alcoholic you don't have to stay a man a drug addict you don't have to stay whatever you are you can bring those flaws to the cross but he can correct them he can solve them I heard a man defend his dishonest ways. A man in the church defend his dishonest ways by saying, my mother taught me how to be dishonest. I was raised learning how to be dishonest. As though that's an excuse. There's no excuse. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from every sin. I don't care what you're raised in. Listen to me. And, and young people, listen to me. The, the world out there wants you to believe that because somebody in your lineage did this or somebody in your lineage had that flaw that you are going to bear that same cross. I am here to tell you that's not the truth. There's only one cross that you need to carry, hallelujah, and it's the cross of Christ. You bring your burdens to him and he'll change who you are. He'll change what you are. Well, praise God. I do know that there are generational issues. I know that. I've watched people who are adopted uh, turn out just like their biological parent that they may have never known. There is something to the genetics of it. But I'm just telling you that when we come into the kingdom, we get a blood transfusion. And you can become like your heavenly father. And that's more powerful than any other bloodline that might pass through your veins. You hear me tonight? Uh, he can set you free from everything that plagues you, everything that bothers you, everything that comes against you. The Lord Jesus Christ has the power to deliver you. Amen. Yes, sir. We can't help but bring it to the church but we don't need to keep it in the church. And this was evidently the problem with Sardis. They had this flaw about them. They had this sense of overconfidence about them. As a people, as a, as a nation, they had that in them. And evidently, when they got in the church, they never got victory over it. 
and they grew spiritually overconfident. They became at ease spiritually. And I, I don't have time to go into this, but, but if you're looking for something to study in the scripture, why don't you, why don't you make a study of, of the term at ease and see what the scripture has to say about that. See what happens to people when they are at ease. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, the prophet said. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I, I don't have time to go there, but, but um, it is an interesting, interesting study. And so we have talked about uh, the lack of watchfulness on the part of the church not the people of Sardis, the city, but the church members uh, at the church in Sardis, their lack of watchfulness. We pointed out to you, and, and really this is all the further we got in our last lesson was in this point of the review where I was dealing with the fact that the word watch uh, means to be vigilant, to be awake. And one commentator said that it is perhaps a military metaphor de derived from the duty of those who are stationed as sentinels to guard a camp or to observe the motions of the enemy. That's what it meant to watch, to be on guard, to protect what's on the inside and to fight against what's on the outside. Keep your eyes open. Be alert. Be vigilant. Hallelujah. Amen. And we, we, we ended up not getting any further than that in our last lesson as we talked about the importance of learning how to fight. We, we talked about the fact that the people of Sardis, because of their times of captivity, uh, they had not been trained in warfare. They had no idea how to fight. Amen. We're learning how to fight around here. Amen. We're learning what we need to do. And you've shown that already in this service. I'm not going to take time to go back through all of that. Amen. But just as the people of Sardis had failed to watch politically and militarily, so the church had failed to watch spiritually. And we don't want that to be the case. So now we've not gotten any further than verses 1 and 2 in, in all of these three lessons that we've done. We've only covered verses 1 and 2 entirely. And so tonight we're going to back up again to verse 2, but we're going to add to it verse 3, and we're going to start looking at the cure for all of this. What needs to be done to fix the problem at Sardis? Obviously they've got a problem. You'll remember that I pointed out to you that this is one of, of only two churches where the Lord... Uh, uh, did not begin the letter with a commendation. He didn't start out praising them for anything. Now the other one, he never did commend them. There was nothing to commend. And you'll be surprised when you look at what the commendation is here because it's almost that bad in Sardis. It really is. It's almost as bad as Laodicea when it comes to the commendation, Laodicea got none. 
Sardis did get some commendation, but not much. And so we're going to look at, of course, that's better than none. But it's still not great. So we'll look at that in a few moments, Lord willing. Uh, But let's go back. Let's read verses 2 and 3. We're in Revelation chapter 3. Open your Bibles there. This is Bible study time. I know it's become preaching time a lot uh, each of these weeks, but we do need to try to do a little Bible study here. Let's read verses 2 and 3 again. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. There's that again. Be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now, hopefully we won't have to come back and reread all of this again and again. So let me just point out a few things here in this cure that the Lord offers them for their dilemma. Uh, He says to them in verse 2, be watchful. Everyone say, be watchful. That's the first thing. Then he says to them, this is verse 2 that we're looking at now. Verse 2, he says, strengthen. Everyone say, strengthen. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I have not found thy works perfect. Number 3, in verse 3, he says, remember. Everyone say, remember. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. And hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast. All right, that's the fourth thing he tells them. And then the fifth thing he says, repent. Everyone say, repent. And then he comes back and talks to them again about watching and what's going to happen if they don't. So there's five things that the Lord tells them they've got to do. All right, and again, I wanted to point these five out out of these two verses so we don't have to keep going back and reading the two verses again if you'll just remember these five things all right will you help me there all right so so remember these five things watch strengthen remember hold fast repent these are the five things they need to do and we're going to talk about them Now, when it comes to being watchful, there are several things the New Testament adjures us to be watchful about. First of all, we need to be watchful concerning the Lord's return. Matthew 24, verses 40 through 44. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what Watch, hour. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour. Your Lord doth, doth come. Uh huh. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would have not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. And then Matthew 25, verse 13. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. You don't know the day and you don't know the hour. Wherein the Son of Man cometh. Wherein the Son of Man cometh. I want to say to you, saints of God, we must never forget that the Lord is going to return. 
Hallelujah. I've stressed this. I've said this. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I can't put all of the dots on the chart prophetically. I can't figure all that out. I'll let somebody smarter than me do all that. Although I really don't think anybody can do it successfully. That's just me. But I I don't think it can be done. But, but I'm telling you this, there is one thing of which I'm sure that regardless of when it's going to happen, we have one obligation and that is watch for it. Now, if we're watching for it, that means we're going to prepare ourselves. That means we're not going to let ourselves slip. We're not going to take a day where we have a vacation from God. If we really are watching, if we get up in the morning and we're looking toward the eastern sky, if during the middle of the day it comes to our mind, Lord, you could come back today. Am I living the way I need to live? Am I doing what I need to do? Oh, God, I'm telling you, if we'll go to bed at night thinking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will affect the way we live. People say, preacher, will I be lost for doing this? That's the wrong perspective. That's not the the perspective you ought to have. You shouldn't just be avoiding things that are going to make you be lost. But you need to be living in such a way that you know you're ready to meet him. I've had people ask me about certain things. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Should I do this? Should I do that? And here's what I've said to them. To most of them, my response has been, the very fact that you're asking me tells me your your conscience is troubling you. If it didn't bother you, you wouldn't be asking. And I want to tell you, uh, I'll just, if we do a podcast on that subject, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving a spoiler alert right now because I'm going to tell you part of what my answer is going to be is never, ever violate your conscience. Don't violate your conscience. The minute you start violating your conscience, it is a slippery downhill slope. Well, praise God. Don't violate your conscience. Amen. God put it there for a reason. He gave us a conscience for a reason. Hallelujah. And we need to listen to that conscience. And look, if we give something up and get to the judgment day and God says, you didn't have to give that up. Do you think any of us are going to be sad? Do you think we're going to be stomping our feet and upset? You mean I lived all my life without doing that and yet I could have been doing it? Do you think any of us are even going to care? I would much rather get there and him say, you didn't have to do that than to get there and him say, you should have. I want him to say, well done. And listen, it's impossible for God to lie. You understand that? So he's not going to say, well done, unless you've done well. He's not going to flatter people. All these people who believe in once saved, always saved, and think they can live any way they want to, and that they're going to stand before God, and God's going to look at them and say, well done. Now, I, I, I've got a different perspective 
on God than that. I don't think he's going to lie. If I've spent my life living according to the dictates of my flesh, I don't think God's going to say that I lived this life well. All right, so we got to be watchful of the Lord's return. Here's something else we need to be watchful for. Matthew 26, verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. Skipping down to verses 40 and 41. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not Could watch you not with me watch one hour? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. That ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Saints of God, we've got to be watchful concerning our prayer lives. We've got to be watchful concerning our prayer lives. I'm telling you, it's easy, especially in the hectic world we live in today. It's easy to go a day without ever talking to the Lord. It's easy to find ourselves, amen, going to bed at night saying, oh man, I didn't pray today. I didn't talk to God today. Oh, listen, we better be watchful of our prayer life. We better set a guard. That's one thing we can't let down on. Are you hearing me tonight? That's one thing we cannot abandon. That's one area that we have to set up guards and say, devil, you're not getting my prayer life. There's a lot of things you may steal from me, but you're not getting my prayer life. As long as you can maintain a prayer life, Amen. God will take care of everything else. Here's something else we have to be watchful about. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Watch ye, stand Watch ye fast, stand in, the faith. fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Quit you like men. Be strong. Now, some take this word very literally. Quit. And so that's what they do. They just quit. That's not what this word means in the original. Quit you like men. You might be surprised to know those four English words actually are translated from one Greek word. It's only one word in the original, and that word means to render one manly or brave, to show oneself a man. That is not to be a coward or timid, or alarmed at enemies, but to be bold and brave. It's kind of like, it's kind of like we have a saying, or I know it's not politically correct anymore, but, but uh, used to, when I was growing up, back in the dinosaur age, we'd tell some young boy that, you know, he, he got hurt over something, or he'd, he'd be uh, pouting or whatever, we'd say, come on, be a man. Be a man. Now, you can't hardly say that anymore. Uh, it's not popular. It's not politically correct to say be a man. And unfortunately, some of what calls themselves men, I don't want you to be like. Some of them don't really know if they're a man or what they are. Well, I could really get off into that, but 
Anyhow, this is what the scripture is telling us. Now he said, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Be a man. Be strong. So here's what the apostle is telling us. We have to be watchful when it comes, number one, to our faith. I'm telling you, this is the one thing Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is one thing, church, that we have to watch out for. The devil wants to put doubt in our mind because the more we doubt, the more we question the very character and nature of God. We've got to be strong in faith. We've got to stand up to the attacks of the enemy. We can't go running off whining and crying and hiding in a corner every time we have some battle that comes our way. We can't go sucking our thumb somewhere hoping somebody will feel sorry for us just because we've come under attack. Here's what we got to do. We got to watch out for those things. Be a man. Stand up strong. Face it head on. Recognize this is what it is but we're going to win by the help and grace of God God's going to see us through it you see if we lose our faith that means we lose our trust in God to take care of us so watch watch in faith in actions in power here's another one 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6 Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now, what he's telling us here is simply this. Be spiritually alert. We need to get our spiritual feelers out. We need to recognize What's going on in our lives? Amen. I've said it so many times, but somebody says something to hurt your feelings or says something that makes you think, well, they don't like me or whatever. Why don't you stop and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not going to let my mind dwell on those thoughts. I refuse that. I rebuke that. I'm going to be spiritually alert to the fact that what the devil wants to do is divide the church. That's what he wants. Amen. I preached to you about it on Sunday morning and I'm saying it again that it's only when we really come together as a body that the fullness of God works in our midst and the glory of God is free to do what it wants to do. And I'm telling you, the devil knows that and he wants to divide us. He wants to distract us. He wants to do whatever he can. And unfortunately, from time to time, we being human beings allow the devil to use us. We we say things we didn't think it through. Uh, words come out of our mouth that we didn't really consider the consequences and somebody's hurt and somebody's bothered and I'm going to tell you let's get our spiritual feelers out number one if it's said to you don't hold it against them pray your way through it number two if you said it amen be sensitive enough to go back and apologize and let them know I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have done it that way but we got to get together we got to come together We've got to be unified. We've got to be watchful. We've got to be watchful. Oh, Lord, I've only got a few minutes. I've got to hurry. 
Amen. Amen. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, be vigilant, he said, because the devil's out there. And I'm telling you, we, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be watchful, amen, of what the devil is trying to do. We don't go looking for him. But when something happens, we need to assess whether it's coming from him. And then deal with it accordingly. Our brothers and sisters are not our enemies. The devil is our enemy. Well, praise God. Now, he not only told them to watch, but he also said, the next thing he said in verse 2 was, he said, to strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. Strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. Now, the word here literally means to turn resolutely in a certain direction or to confirm. It means to fix, to establish, to steadfastly set, amen, to strengthen. The idea is that you set things right and you make sure they stay right until Jesus comes. Well, hallelujah. You turn in that direction and say, I'm not going to the right hand. I'm not going to the left hand. This is the right way. This is the way I'm going to walk. This is the way I'm going to conduct myself. Strengthen those things. Now, here's some things that the Bible says we got to strengthen. I got to hurry through this. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Yes, to establish you, or that is to strengthen you according to my gospel. I'm telling you that what we've got to do, we've got to strengthen our stance on the gospel. As much as we want to see the world saved, listen to me, church. There is no other plan of salvation outside of repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues and living a holy, godly, separated life. I'm telling you, there's no other plan. There's no other plan. People are not going to be saved out of ignorance. They're not going to be saved because they don't know it. They're not going to be saved because they're trying their best. They've got to be born again. They must be born of the water they got to be born of the spirit there's got to be a transformation in their life we got to strengthen our stand on the gospel hallelujah first thessalonians 3 verse 13 to the end, he may establish your he hearts. He may establish or strengthen your hearts. Unblameable. Unblameable. In the holiness in before God. Holiness before God. Even our Father, and at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Oh, my God, help us in this age in which we live when so many are abandoning the old fashioned ways of holiness. They're adopting 
corrupting the ways of this world. They're trying to look more like the world, act more like the world, even talk like the world, dress like the world. I'm telling you, now's not the time to let up on our holiness standard. Now is not the time for us to be trying to find ways to compromise with the world. It's time for us to strengthen our stand. It's time for us to establish ourselves in holiness before God. Praise God. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2.17 Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good establish word and work. Establish you in every good word and work. And this is something else we have to strengthen. We have to strengthen our practice of good words and good works. You know, I'm going to tell you, I don't know of very many things that are as beneficial to a church as having someone who can be a real encourager. Just having the right words to say at the right moment. Hallelujah. Just knowing what to say to someone at a crucial time. People have been pulled from the precipice of backsliding because a word fitly spoken was received at the right time. Listen, our tongue holds the power of life and death and unfortunately we use it far too often to bring death we use it to hurt we use it to tear down we use it to destroy but oh God if you just baptize us with a spirit of an encourager and let us learn to build up and to lift up and to strengthen and to help and to encourage This is what we've got to strengthen. We've got to strengthen. Now, after telling Sardis to watch and telling them to strengthen, he next said to them, remember how thou hast received and heard. Remember. You see, one reason we let go of things that were once important to us is because we fail to remember them as we ought. I'm telling you, the reason that we live in such a world that is so self-centered, that's willing to give up any kind of freedom for their own comfort is because they don't remember the price that's been paid to bring us to this point. They've forgotten the sacrifices we're not living in a generation that knows what real war is all about. We're not. America hasn't waged real war in a long, long time. In fact, I don't think they've waged a real war since World War II. I may be wrong. Someone might can inform me of some other time after World War II, but... That's the last time I can think of that we really cared about winning the war. Now we care about collateral damage and who are we going to hurt and what do you think war is all about? 
You know, people get hurt in war. You can't have a war and people not get hurt. But somehow, the brilliant minds at the Pentagon have decided that we need to wage smart warfare and let's, let's, let's hold on to certain conventions that the enemy doesn't observe, but we will. And so we can't do this to them and we can't do that to them. And, you know, there might be some collateral damage that we didn't really want or count on. I don't, I don't want to get into all of that tonight, but I'm just telling you that in real warfare, it costs something. Make a trip over to Normandy. I've been there. I've, I've been on the beaches of Normandy. I've looked at the crosses lined up. I'm telling you there is freedom that exists because men poured out of those ships knowing the moment they got out, they were going to fall. But they did it for the cause of freedom. Now, I'm telling you, when we start forgetting what it cost, then we lose the significance in our mind. And this is why the Lord says to Sardis, remember, remember, remember how you received. Remember how you heard. There was no place that received the gospel that it didn't cost a great price. Either some apostle being imprisoned or beaten or thrown out of the city or perhaps even martyred. It costs something to start those churches. Well, hallelujah. It costs something to start this church. And if we forget the price that was paid, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about men before me. I'm telling you, if we forget the price they paid, the stress they were under, the, 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 the unbearable nights that they had to live through just to bring us to where we are right now, when we forget that, then it no longer is important to us. God help us to not lose sight of how we heard and how we received. Let us remember that. Isaiah 46 verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, I am God. and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. He said, remember, remember the former things of old. Barnes Notes says this verse means we must bear in mind the repeated and constant proofs that have been given that Jehovah is the true God. The proofs derived from the prediction of future events, from the frequent interpositions of his providence in your behalf as a nation. In other words, think back at how many times God's rescued you. Think back to how many times God's answered your prayer before you get so discouraged, before you throw in the towel. Look back on your life and ask yourself, how many times did God hear me when I cried? He may not seem to be hearing me right now, but how many times did he do it in the past? How many times did he come through for me when I was all alone? He was there. Remember. Remember. 
Joan Ewing wrote a song. Its words are powerful. Would to God somebody would drag it up and sing it again. I may have to be the somebody. I don't know. But in the song, Brother Ewing sang so beautifully. He talked about one day being so discouraged. He said, I'm just going to go in and tell God goodbye. He said, as I started out, I heard a voice saying, I never gave up on you. Well, let that sink in for a few minutes. I never gave up on you. God had plenty of chances to walk away from me. God has had many, many opportunities in the last 50 years to just throw me to the wayside and say, you're not worth the effort. But not one time, Brother Goff, not one time has he ever done it. He's never walked out on me. How can I walk out on him? Oh, I've got to hurry. It's already past time. Please, church, give me just a few minutes. Let me try to get through this. Amen. There are things, amen, we must remember. Next, he tells them, hold fast. Hold fast. We are to hold fast. First of all, that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. All right, 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold fast the form of sound words. the form of sound words. Which thou hast heard of me. Yes. Faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Yes, Hebrews 3 and 6. But Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we? If we hold fast. If we hold fast the confidence. And rejoicing of the hope firm. the hope. Unto the end. We hold fast our trust in him. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing that when we have a high priest, a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast hold our profession. Fast our profession, that is the open pronouncement of our faith in him. Hebrews 10.23 let says us hold the same thing. Amen. And then, and then he says, after telling them to hold fast, he says, repent. And church, I've said it and said it and will continue to say it, but repentance is not a one-time experience. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Repent therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted sins out. Sins may be blotted out. Now when listen the, to this. When the times when the, are refreshing. Minute, when the what? Times. When the times, when the times, not the time, but the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, there needs to be a constant repentance in our heart. There needs to be a constant attitude, amen, of humility and contrition before the Lord God. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Revelation 3, verse 3, he says, here's what's going to happen if you don't do these things. Revelation 3 and 3, you have that? Yes, sir. All right. Remember, therefore, how, th- how thou, sorry, remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. And hold fast hold and fast repent. And repent. Then he says this. If therefore if thou shalt not you watch. don't watch. I will come on I'm thee as a thief. I will come on you as on a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now listen, this is not, this is not saying I'm going to 
pay you a surprise visit and you're going to enjoy it. Amen. He said, I'm going to come on you as a thief, something you don't want to happen. First Thessalonians 5 verses 3 and 4, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, but they shall not escape. Amen. I don't want to be in that category, but that's what God said to Sardis. If you don't do these things that I've just told you, if you don't start watching, then destruction is coming suddenly. Now, we finally get down to the commendation. I'm skipping over a few verses here. We finally get down to the commendation. And, uh, and, and it strikes me as extremely important that the Lord withheld any commendation until after his correction. And obviously, they needed to be corrected more desperately than they needed to be commended. And that's why God went straight, amen, for the correction. And even then, I want you to notice what this correction is or what this commendation is. When he finally does get down to it. Now, he spent three verses here telling Sardis what's wrong, what you got to do to fix it. And now finally, he's going to give them a little bit of commendation. A few words of praise. But listen to what he says, Revelation 3 verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Hmm. That's interesting, because it's not a commendation of the whole church. In fact, if you look at the way this is worded, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis. It sounds like the Lord's Stressing the fact that really, as bad as Sardis is, the odds are that there shouldn't be anybody there. But he said, even in Sardis, there's a few that have not defiled their garments. Not a commendation of the church as a whole, but of a few that had remained faithful in the midst of a church that was far from what it needed to be. Now, I pointed out in a previous lesson that the name Sardis can be interpreted remnant. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this verse, the remnant. That's who God is commending. It's just that remnant that's in that church that he has anything good to say about. There's a few folks there that have failed to get caught up in what's going on. Now let me tell you something. If, if there's any lesson, and I know I've got to hurry. I know I am over time. Give me just a few minutes and I'll be done. I promise you I'm doing my best. But, but listen to me. This says to me, first of all, I don't care how bad you think things are in this church. You can live for God. The devil starts convincing you there's this problem, there's this problem, there's this drama, there's this going on, there's this going on. I'm telling you, even in Sardis, there were some that lived for God and did what was right. And if they can, you can. Well, praise God. Now, I will also say if all you're seeing is bad in the church, you're probably not one of those in the remnant. Yeah. 
because the remnant's probably not finding fault with everybody else. The remnant's part of those that are repenting, that are remembering, that are holding fast. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Now, now listen, listen. He said, thou hast a few names. I want to say few. The Greek word, the Greek word here literally means puny. It means very small. It is the very same Greek word that was used to describe how many were saved on the ark. First Peter 3 and 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few. Wherein few. There's that exact same word, few. That is eight souls. Eight souls. Were saved by water. Were saved by water. Do you know I read uh, there are scholars who believe that because of the longevity of man prior to the flood, men living almost a thousand years and, and reproducing during that time, that there are scholars who really believe there were as many people alive at the time of the flood as are alive on the earth right now. I can't guarantee that. I can't say it's a fact. I'm just saying there are men far smarter than me who arrived at that conclusion. Now, even if it's only half of that number, where are we at now? Eight billion, seven, over seven billion. Even if it's only half that, even if it's only a tenth of that, which would be 700 million, right? Am I doing my math right? All right, all right. Uh, even if it's only just a small fraction of that, when you think about hundreds of millions of people and how many were saved? Eight. Eight. And that's the word Peter used, a few. Out of all of those on the earth, only eight were saved. And the Lord uses that exact same word in describing the church at Sardis. There's only a few. It's just a very small percentage of the church that's still holding on and remembering and holding fast. Only a few, he said, have not defiled their garments. Now, you do understand Ephesians 5.27 that he might present itself... Uh, presented to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle, any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Our garments have got to be spotless. So when Jesus says there's only a few in that church that have not defiled their garments, do you understand what he's saying? He's making a direct connection to their condition spiritually. And then he says there's only a few that have not defiled their garments and they're going to walk with me in white because they are worthy. Now, this is an interesting thing, and I've got to hurry through this. If you'll give me three minutes, I'm going to do my best. I don't see how, but I'll do my best to cover this. All right? Matthew 10, verses 11 through 15. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who, it is worth, who in it is worthy, and there right. abide. Now, 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 look, the whole subject here is who is worthy. Jesus is, is sending the disciples forth and he says, I want you to go in there and find out who's worthy. 
All right, read. And there abide till ye go thence. Uh -huh. And when ye come into an house, salute it. So how do we know who's worthy? He said, I'll tell you what to do. You go in the house and you salute it. And if the house be worthy, if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon let it. Let your peace come upon it. But if it be not but if worthy, it's not worthy, let your peace let return your peace to you. Return to you. And whosoever shall not receive now, you, he gives us the explanation. Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your nor words, nor hear your words, when you depart out, of, you that depart out of, city, of that house or city, shake off shake the dust, the of your dust feet. off your feet. Verily I say unto you, I say unto you, it shall be, it's more, tolerable be more tolerable for the land of Sodom, for Sodom and Gomorrah, and Gomorrah the day of judgment. In the day of judgment than for, that city. than for that city. Here's what Jesus made plain. He said, you go into a house. You walk into that house. You salute the people. If they won't listen to the word of God that's being declared to them, they're not worthy. Shake the dust off and move on. But if they'll hear the word of God that's being declared unto them, those people are worthy. Amen. This is what Jesus said about the saints at Sardis. Amen. He said, those few, they've not defiled their garment they still listen to what the word of God has to say they still honor amen the office of the ministry they still recognize the authority God has set up and so they are worthy and because they're worthy he said I'm going to give them white garments all right the closing verses five and six he that overcometh the oh, same oh, oh hang on hang on there's hope Sardis there's hope. There's only a few that's saved, but there's hope if you'll overcome. If you'll turn around, it's not a hopeless situation. It's not too late for you to join the number of the few. It's not too late, amen, for you to decide, I'm getting out of this cold, carnal condition, and I'm going to join forces with those that are still holding on. Amen. If you'll overcome, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I'll give you new raiments. He said there's only a few that haven't defiled their garments. But he said if you'll overcome, I'll just take those old dirty garments away. I'm not going to remember it against you. I'm not going to hold it against you. I I'm going to put new garments on you. You get a brand new start. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, this is what he said. If you'll just overcome, I'll clothe you all over again. I got to hurry. Read, read, read. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now I said give me three minutes. I didn't say how much time you're giving Brother Goff. So I will not blot his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before and my I'm father. confess his name before the father. And before his angels. Uh -huh. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith right, unto I, the churches. I don't, I don't have time to go through all this, but they would be clothed, which symbolizes righteousness. You can read that in Revelation 19.8. They would be kept, amen, which symbolizes protection. The Bible says his name would not be blotted out. Hallelujah, which sounds to me like some people's names can be blotted out. For those who believe in once saved, always saved. Explain that to me. Amen. Some people's names can be blotted out. But he said, if you'll overcome, your name won't be. And then he said, and I will confess you. I will confess your name before my father and before his angels. And this symbolizes acknowledgement. Listen to Luke 12, verse 8. 
Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess before me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. All right, so here's what he said. If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels. Now there are those who believe this is a reference to the day of judgment, and that may very well be the case. But there are some other options that you ought to consider. Psalm 91.11 says he'll give his angels charge over thee. Perhaps what the Lord is saying when he says he meant that he's going to confess you before the angels, perhaps what he means is that he's going to tell his angels now, that one's one of mine. That one's doing their best. That one's striving to live right. You get down there and you protect them. I'm giving you charge over them. You watch them. When the devil comes against them, you draw your sword and fight for them. This is one that's doing what I want them to do. He confesses you before the angels. And it also may be another option. That it's not an audible announcement, but it's one that's evident by the blessings that come with it. Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou hast settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He's going to bless you, and you can read on down of what all God's going to bless. Amen. And maybe that's what he means when he says, I'm going to confess you. It's not an open, audible confession, but just the fact that everybody's going to know that you have this testimony. You're one of mine because of the way I take care of you and the way that I bless you. Amen. And so then he brings it all down to the close. Amen. Of what he says in every other letter. And I see now I didn't even print that that one out uh, for you to read but everybody knows uh, what it is and that is in verse 6 he that hath an ear to hear let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches uh, amen and, and what he's saying there we've said it with each church uh, but what he's saying is don't be like the people of Israel of old amen Zechariah seven eleven said they refused to hear they pulled away the shoulder they stopped their ears that they should not hear he's saying just listen and obey there's hopes artist you don't have to end up in this condition there's hope that's why I've come that's why I've sent this letter there's hope that you can change that you can turn around if you'll have an ear to hear what I'm saying to you let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord right now